Everybody, Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 81 of Justified Pursuit. Alongside me, as always, the good counselor, Chisholm Cook. Good to see you, man. Good to see you too, buddy. <laughs> so there's the first audio I, uh, pickup of the show right off the well, bat. Well, what happened there was I, I, I hit mute on the computer thinking that I didn't want to, I wanted to make sure I wasn't getting feedback, but since I dialed in, it had automatically muted the computer, and we're having technical issues this morning, y'all. The fairly affordable, yeah, USB mic that I bought crapped out, so I'm just rolling with my Bose uh, noise-canceling headphones. A shameless plug um, for Bose there, and here's one for Sennheiser. I've had these microphones for over, this one's 15 years old, I think, when I first started podcasting, doing radio. Is that a USB mic? No. No. So how does this connect into? I use a mixer, and so I, this one is like one that mm. musicians would use, you know, on stage or whatever. Yeah. Um, and it plugs into a mixer, which then plugs into the computer. Yeah. Gotcha. So anyway, we apologize, Chisholm. Yeah. Uh, audio quality isn't a hundred percent, but I think it's uh, certainly doable, and we got a lot to get into today. Uh, before we do that though anything going on in in your life that we need to talk about we're going to the beach yeah remember that picture i'm excited about that uh yeah galveston where you can stand in four feet of water and not see your feet (laughs) coming from hawaii it's not the prettiest beach cool town yeah um not the prettiest beach for sure the kids don't care about uh, the water. Y'all need to get down to South Padre. South Padre's water is real pretty. When the wind's not blowing. You and I have been to South Padre um, a couple times. <laughs> like spring break, never, like well, 04, 05. <laughs> right. But the wind's always blowing that time of year. This is the time to get down there. For the, like, bad July is really the best time. Yeah. Um, our neighbors were just in South Padre. And while they when they got there, the wind was howling. And so, the you know, sand... What it is, like there it's a beautiful white sand beach, um, different color sand than even just in Corpus. Dig a hole and put your um, keg right in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when it's so, windy, everything's churned up, right? So the water will be kind of muddy. But if you get a break in the wind, which in July and August, the winds lay down to basically nothing, hmm. then it ends up looking pretty close to Destin. It's yeah. beautiful. The blue water on the Gulf side can come on basically all the way to the shore and you can see your feet in, in, you know, neck deep water. And then the Bay side turns like an emerald green color. Um, so anyway, my neighbors are down there and it was windy when they got there. And then that little kind of that rain system, that kind of front that came through last week hit down there and calmed everything down. And he said the last two days were gorgeous. So anyway, well, Maui, I was, I asked the guy when we were on the kayak, how, you know, he had a depth finder. How deep are we? He's like, like 35 feet. I was like, dude, I can just see the bottom. He's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the norm. I was like, yeah, you should. 
come to my beach and not see your feet when you're standing in the water. Uh, remember when we uh, went fishing with your dad out of Port Aransas, beautiful blue water, and we're fishing on a reef, and you threw my Bob Marley CD in the ocean? I threw your Bob Marley CD you in the this. Gulf. You mean? Yeah. Yeah, from like the top, you're like, here, put this I... in the CD player or something. Oh, I didn't do it on purpose. No. Yeah, yeah, the uh, wind caught And then we all right. just like yeah. watched the CD. Just That was back when people still used CDs. Uh, right. But, yeah, that was a sad day. Uh, yeah, I do I do remember that now. I, I At first, I thought you meant I did it on purpose. I have one of my best friends, still to this day. Um, <laughs> I had this one summer where I got into corn band you know in, in high school and i would you know the <laughs> beginning of that that corn album where he's like are you ready did you have i kept doing that bands? and it really did you annoyed fans when you did this uh at some point i wore vans yeah I, I don't remember if i wore vans at exactly that time but um so i would do that ridiculous like growl scream voice thing and uh so my buddy he thought it was real annoying and he took a He's he took like a bottle opener and like scratched the CD to where like you could feel the scratch marks in it and you'd put it in and it would just say error. Like it wouldn't even skip. It was just like, no, nah, I can't play this. Uh, we actually talked about that on the river just the other day. <laughs> so when you said that, my first thought is I threw your CD in the Gulf, but yeah, no, it was an accident. You would never do that to Bob Marley. Now, corn. It doesn't sound like something I would ever do to certainly any album. Frankly. Your buddy wasn't wrong uh, for doing that. Oh, yeah, dude. In retrospect, he was spot on. I mean, you know, he destroyed my personal property, which is kind of not cool, but um, uh, that music's not great, and my behavior was ridiculous. So, I had a epiphany yesterday, Chisholm. I haven't posted it on social media yet, but I will at some point today. I, uh, I hit triple digits. I don't know what that means. At the gas pump, 100 bucks to fill up. It was awesome. That's the first time? First time I can't fill up for less than that right now. Well, you have a diesel. That must so. be nice. That's yeah. true. I do have a diesel. First How time. How big is the tank ever. on your, your Chevy? 21 gallons. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mine's like closer to 25. If it's like empty, empty, empty. Who would have ever thought? When I was in high school, I remember going to racetrack and paying 89 cents for unleaded gas. And it was nice when Trump was in office and gas was $2, sometimes even cheaper. And then when my, we were at my grandmother's um, memorial service and, and Henry's real obsessed with gas prices because they're always fluctuating. And he's like, oh, dad, my gosh, can you believe that? $4.50 for a gallon of gas. I'm like, I know, Henry, who would have ever thought? And then, uh, and then I said, go ask Pops what he paid for gas when he started driving. And so he goes up to him and my dad's like, yeah, it was like 11 cents a gallon. And, and Henry was just like, what? How is that even possible? <laughs> I'm like, what? How is that even possible? Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. 11 mm. cents a gallon. Mm -hmm. um, you see the photo that I sent you on Friday, I think, maybe Saturday morning saying, hey, let's remember to talk about this. Uh, you never replied to it. Then no. It's a picture of my hand. Check your phone real quick. Right. This will be fun. Go back, go back up our text a little bit, and and see if you can find a photograph of my hand. Oh yeah, that's kind of <clears throat> swollen. Yeah, your knuckle looks like it's jacked up. Yeah, it's pretty gnarly, right? Yeah, much better today. 
Uh-huh. You can oh. see, right? It's getting getting back to normal. A little ointment on it, so it's a little greasy looking. Yeah, um, I think we've talked about cats before, right? How Ooh. you hate cats. So much. I always defend cats. Outdoor, yeah, cat at a farm, fine. Don't bring that. Don't bring a litter box yeah. into my house, or you will. Well, it just would Why never happen. You say that. So wait, was this Tux? Did, did Tux do something to you? Yeah, Tux bit the ever ever living hell out of me. Oh, Frankie yeah. and are going to be so disappointed because they love that cat. <laughs> They're going to be even more disappointed when you tell them how Tux how Tux is doing now. <laughs> <laughs> He's no longer with us. <clears throat> Tux is no longer with us. Oh my god! Yeah, dude. Uh, so I have been the 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 one of the one in a hundred. Uh, males who will defend cats for a really long time. I've always uh-huh. thought cats are cool. They're like very self. Uh, uh, you know, they take they take care of themselves. Their self, their selves, right? They're very de- independent. You can leave you a, cat a cat for two weeks. Yeah. yeah, and she's awesome. She's a great cat. Uh, she doesn't. As far as cats go, she does have a litter box in the laundry room, but I don't <gasps> deal with it. So, mm. um, you know, you don't even smell it. The, I guess uh, we have somebody has to clean it though. And guess what? It'll like be a, the it'll be the dad. Yeah, it's Charlotte's cat. No, it's never dad's job. Uh. Never dad's job. No, because I didn't bring the cat home. First of all, uh. anyway, dude. You know they're awesome hunters. As hunters, I think they're cool. I like to hunt. Them. Independence. Don't need to be up on in your business all the time. I could rotate the the um, uh, camera over, and you could see my full body links right here in my office. <laughs> That's how much I. Oh love well, I mean, cats. we have a mountain lion mounted at at the, at the ranch house, right? So yeah. you know. But yeah, so I just think they're mostly cool because they they don't need to be they don't need a lot of attention and they and they and they they do a good job. Like this cat we're talking about, Tux is a mouse slaying machine, dude. Mm-hmm. Like it had gotten so bad in that trailer at camp that you know you were seeing mice in that inside on a regular basis and. Since bringing that cat out there about a year and a half ago, you don't see mice shit anywhere. Yeah. Mice poop, mouse poop anywhere. Like in the trailer, and nobody goes in the trailer anymore, except unless we have a lot of people there. Yeah. Right. And you can go in there, and the place is just as immaculate as it was six months ago when you cleaned it. He was slain mice, but he's an intact male, meaning hasn't been neutered. Right. Big old blockhead on him, thick, stout cat. You know probably close to 20 pound cat and you know he lives at a ranch by himself half the time so you know he's like half feral my folks had brought him over really my sister is the one who'd done it they had been at that old deer lease uh, the mendiola which we've talked about before mm-hmm. i don't even know how that cat somebody that hunts out there had brought that cat out there and, and he was so loving i mean y'all saw him right it's like the most loving cat of all time they were like no we need this cat at at the ranch house. So they took him over a year ago now. I say that maybe it hasn't been a year yet, whatever. They took him to the ranch and, you know, they got him. I know he'd had at least the one main rabies shot, kind of one round of shots, I guess. Um, let him go out there. Well, you may remember he bit, uh, the guy who built that house for them. Yeah. I remember hearing that story. And he also, yeah, and he also built bit the ranch hand a guy named Beto that does work for lots of different ranchers this down there. Is, is he does he is his name really Beto or is it Robert Francis? The fake <laughs> name. 
or is he really Hispanic? He's a, yeah, he's from Infinal, Texas. He's really Hispanic. His name is Roberto. He's not a white he goes guy by Beto. to take your guns away. He is not culturally appropriating the, the shorthand version. Okay. Spanish shorthand for Robert, yeah. No, he's a real Beto. And he's got no love for Beto O'Rourke, I assure you. Because <clears throat> I don't know if you've heard, but uh, Mexican-American, I like to call them Tex-Mexicans, uh, they're not real big on these leftists. Anyway, um, so he'd bitten those two guys. The contractor, he'd really messed up. Like, that guy, I guess, didn't take care of the bite and ended up with an infection and had to go to the doctor's office and had some some, some exorbitant pills from it. Um, anyway, but with the family, he was like the most loving critter you'd ever seen. He would get up on me every all the time and just, like, rub his head up in my beard just like nonstop be purring. I mean, he was like, he was like the coolest cat, you know, and showed no signs of. And so you, you think like, well, okay, these guys sort of show up at our ranch when nobody's there, this territorial cat. It seemed like he knew who the family was and, 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 you know, such so like quote strangers would show up and they'd have maybe a problem, you know, then earlier this year, he bit mom on the index finger. Turns out I learned Friday morning right after he bit me that he'd also bit dad. <laughs> he'd also bit a friend of my dad's. Huh. So I was number six in the last less than a year. Sixth human that this cat had bitten. Um, like I said, just an aggressive territorial male. And my mom thinks, and I, I think there's something to it, that you know, the weird thing about cats, which has definitely got me thinking differently about them now, is that they'll lash out at you right? Like you bring up the litter box. Well, if a cat's mad at you, it might just crap in your bed. Like, um, uh, Amber heard. Right. right? <laughs> or, or some other, like they, they're, 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 they're vindictive, right? Like they'll, if they're pissed off at you, they're going to let you know about it. So it seemed like as time went on, especially this time of year, we're not there as much. My parents are still there a few days, at least every out of every week to two at least once every two weeks they're down there for several days right even with it 110 degrees and everything mm. but you know during hunting season which was early on in him going out there we were they were there out there out there almost all hunting season right and we're out there every weekend and so he was always around people until you know february march april may and um she said all these instances tend to happen within the first day of people coming out almost like he's lashing out, right? Also getting super territorial. So I get down there and um, our mutual friend Clay met me down there. We were just going to you know, put some feed out. That new high fence is going up. So we're yeah. trying to make sure to have as much feed out as we can before this guy fences us in. Jerk. But uh, I left, when I, like when I got there, he was meowing, you know, seemed happy to see us. And I went out of the house and then as I was heading back into the house he gets between me and the house and he's like strafing sideways and hissing at me <laughs> he would like hiss then he would he would go <laughs> and I sort of stopped and I took a step back to the other direction and he he was clearly keeping himself between me and the house hmm. and so I reached down to pet him and he flinches a little bit but then he headbutts my hand to like let me pet him, but aggressively, like headbutts me twice. Mm. I pet him for a second, then he 
you know, takes off. And so I go inside. Well, because he was being, because he was being weird and, um, you know, I knew he had bit mom. Like I said, I, I didn't know at the time. I don't think that he had bit dad or another person, fifth yeah. person. I, uh, I didn't let him in that night. He was at the back door whining and it was also just because, you know, we were going to go out in the yeah, morning. I bite I you for that. I think that's what he did. I, you know, I also didn't want him to get like hide in the house somewhere and me have to find him before we, cause we were only going for like one night mm-hmm. going to put feet out and get out of there. Right. And I didn't want to have to deal with him. So I left him outside. So the next morning I'm on a phone call at 7am and he's whining at the door and clay lets him in and he comes straight in and he gets between my feet and he's doing figure eights, like rubbing around on me, you know, like a cattle do rubbing him up on my legs, you know, and meowing. And, but I'm on a call. I've already got my laptop going, taking a look at emails. Right. So I don't really pay much attention to him. I just let him do his thing. And I sit down at my computer while on the phone, set my hands on either side of the computer. He jumps up on the table, which he does all the time. I'm sitting there and I'm on still talking to one of my guys. And all of a sudden he just attacks my index finger on my right hand. Just wham. My hands are just sitting there. I didn't reach for him. <laughs> I'm just sitting there oh, with my hands. The on The best table. part is he you're just, on a call. This is so awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the guy I was talking to was like, did you just get bit? Yeah. I got to go. He's, oh, yeah. Okay. Call me back. You know? Like, yeah. I was screaming and cussing to say the least. Cause he bit me hard, dude. Yeah. Your finger looks and, uh, really affected. So it's a lot better now. I think what you're seeing, well, the photograph I sent you, you mean, right? Mm-hmm. Like it, it really looks, I mean, it, the redness is gone. It's just greasy because I've got ointment on it. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, I smack the crap out of him and I throw him on the ground. And he hits the ground on all fours and just looks at me and starts hissing. And I'm all, you know, it's 7 a.m. So I'm still just in a pair of board, like gym shorts. Like I got no shoes on, I got no pants on, <laughs> you know, I'm worried I'm going to get bit again. And I grabbed this chair, like a lion tamer in a Vegas show. And I'm like pushing the chair at him to keep him at bay. And he doesn't flinch. I, I poked him with the legs of the chair. I didn't like smash him with it. Right. I just, I poked him trying to get him to, to run away. Uh-huh. Doesn't even take a step back. Just stands there hissing at me, ready to go. I mean, he was totally down to just brawl to the death with me. So we get the door open. Clay helps me. He gets a broom. I've got a chair. We shoo him outside. And um, I call my parents, and I'm standing at the sink bleeding. As you're loading your call my parents, I'm like, 357. What are we going to do with this damn cat? Yeah. What are we going to do with this damn cat? And they're like, yeah, he's, he just seems to be getting worse. That's when I learned he'd bit dad. <laughs> learned the next day that he'd bit another guy. And um, they were just like, yeah, we're going to have to get rid of them you know i was like well y'all want me to take care of it they're like well we can have beto go over and do it and i was like yo i don't want to subject i was like i'm sure beto will be perfectly happy to whack the cat after getting bit himself but you know i gotta hang out here for the rest of the morning play and i do and he's clearly being a dick (laughs) and my mom goes well she she, when she was growing up they caught a, a skunk and had a pet skunk for a few months no, uh, they had the gland. They had the gland removed, so it didn't stink. And apparently, at first, it was like you know how you hear about people trying to catch a bobcat, and for a little while it works out, and then all of a sudden the bobcat remembers it's a bobcat, right? As they get yeah. bigger, 
that's what the skunk did. They, the skunk got more and more feral on them over time. So she, my, I have an uncle that passed when I was like six, my mom's older brother. She goes, I don't know. I don't know if I want you to do that. You know, my mom made Jimmy kill that skunk when, you know, (laughs) kill that skunk. And and he never got over it. And I go, mom, how old was Jimmy when that happened? Because he died when I was like five. She's like, uh, he was like 10. I was like, yeah, I'll be fine. I'll just say the word and I'll take care of the cat. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I don't want to hang out with this thing the rest of the day. Yeah. So So Tux is gone. He used all the lines. So, and that's the kind of the funniest part, I guess. There's probably a few people who are listening to this going, what the hell? But suffice it to say, y'all. Around that's bitten six people. Biting everybody. This cat was not, you know, this was not okay. And I'm not going to stick it in my truck and take it in to get put down, right? Like, you. There's only one way to get rid of a cat that's nine miles down a county road, right? Yeah. That's a barn cat. <clears throat> so I grabbed my 22. Now, keep in mind, I got my trigger hand, trigger finger bit, right? I grabbed my 22 pistol that I use when we're trapping and stuff, which I can, dude, I can hit a quarter at 15 yards with that thing, right? Like 10 times. I am deadly with it. I've been shooting since I was a baby. It's my grandfather's gun. Well, between a bad trigger finger. And I think also I've never shot a pet before. Right. So I, I'm not real excited about what I'm having to do at the moment. Right. I point the thing and I'm also trying to be, I'm trying to head shoot it. Right. Obviously yeah. he's about eight, nine yards away on the back patio. Some of our listeners. And I squeeze the first one off these people again. What are you going to do with a cat? that's bitten six people. I got attacked by a dog when I was a kid Chisholm, And I, I was just walking down the street to go play with, play video games at a friend's house. I was in, second grade and uh the neighbor's german shepherd lab mix got out and it had charged other kids and they would never bitten anyone though and next thing you know dude it's i just bit through my shorts and i got i ended up getting stitches in my hand my leg and my ass and my parents were always like yeah that dog went to live on a farm and i was like as i got older i was like okay that dog got put down the truth is that this cat should have been put down after the second bite yeah right I mean, in some, I would argue after the first bite, right? But for sure on the second bite, in law, if you have a pet, once, a, once your pet attacks one person, you're liable for any other attack that it ever commits, Yeah. right? Because your owners of pets are given basically one strike. We're not going to, we don't presume in, in law that your animal is dangerous until it shows that it is and with that one strike now the owner is on notice you have a dangerous dog cat whatever so the the reality is you know any of those people after that first bite that you know other than i guess my parents and myself the other two guys that this animal bit could have definitely sued them over it right yeah and not to mention it's just like you have a you have a moral responsibility not to have a cat around when you have a place that you bring people it's going to bite somebody, especially right? your kids, especially. And that's the thing, dude. If, if my, if one of my girls, especially my younger two had been bit by this cat, as hard as he bit me, it would have broken a broken a hand or finger punctured, you know, split a tendon. It would be bad. And yeah. dude, cat bites are nasty. Like I learned through this. Like if you get a cat bite, you need to go get antibiotics that day because mm-hmm. you get infected from them. Anyway, <laughs> back to the nine lives thing. So I squeeze off the first one or, you know, jerk, whatever I was able to do with a punctured finger. 
and I missed a couple inches high of his head. And it was funny because he was standing his ground on me when I had a chair, but one little crack off a of 22 and he was like, Oh crap, this is serious. So now I'm chasing him around, <laughs> around camp. <laughs> oh, God. Long and short of it is I miss him three times. So between six human bites and three misses, he got his nine lives yeah. on the nose. <laughs> I sure hope, I know she doesn't listen. Probably shouldn't even be telling this story, but, um, Trying not speaking of going to Ranch live life. at a farm. Yeah, I don't care for my sister uh, or brother in law to know how the cat met its demise. So anybody she who's listening, don't tell my sister. She doesn't listen to the show anyway. I know she um, doesn't. Listen, but so Chisholm. Yeah. So what so Tux is no more. Is a woman. Nobody <laughs> seems to want to answer that question. This is a brilliant. A documentary by Matt Walsh that we're going to review now. It's really good, right? I mean, like the production right. quality of it, just the aesthetics, the music, the it was an excellently made film. Like mm-hmm. I thought they did a just a bang up job with the movie. It's entertaining. Yeah, it's hilarious for about half of it. Then it gets dark. We agree with that, like for sure. It really but like sucks you in with humor, and funny. then it starts to. Oh my god, he's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, so I we're talking. Just... We're, we're going to spend a little time talking about this this new uh, documentary produced by the Daily Wire, which is Ben Shapiro's outfit. One of the like one of the regular hosts of one of the Daily Wire shows, a guy named Matt Walsh, uh, put together a documentary about the trans movement called "What Is a Woman." Spent right. the last year making it. Just just released it on June first, uh, the start of. Pride Month, not coincidentally. Um, I kind of wonder, like, did they change the name after the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearings? I mean, he was asking that question already. Or did the lady from, did the senator from the Katanji Brown-Jackson hearing know about the documentary? Or is that just really, like, the best question that could be asked and everybody's got I the same question I think it's just coincidence, to be honest with you. It seems like, uh, well, he obviously has been making this film before Katanji Brown's. Um, That's what I'm saying. He'd been working on it for like a so. year. Yeah. Yeah. I remember when he did the, when he went to the women's march. You know, it, it's funny because I don't, I, I now follow Walsh himself. I didn't before, mm-hmm. but being listening to like Ben and, and just being in that ecosphere, right? Like I was aware of the stuff that he was doing that is now in the film. You know, like I was aware of when he went to Africa. I was aware of when he did the women's march and almost got beat up for it. Mm hmm. Anyway, so that's what we're doing. We're going to talk about that for a little bit. So, what are your? Uh, yeah, well, I mean, I have some audio, obviously, to play from it. Uh, I, I, it's like four or five different clips, and I think they're all they're all relevant. Um, I encourage people to watch the, watch the film for themselves, but you do have to pay a membership to access the film. That's really the only negative. Yeah. It's like fourteen bucks a month or something. But I guess you could cancel after one month. Um, I just signed up. Right. I'm always getting their free content. Uh, but you do have to pay to watch the film. So just uh keep that in mind. But yeah, yeah so I mean it's first... actually cheaper than two thousand mules if you think about it. Because that was a one time purchase of thirty and to your point, you can pay for one month of of Daily Wire, watch the film and then cancel it. So yeah. It's basically fourteen dollar ticket. So the first uh person that he visits with is a uh gender affirming therapist named gert gert if you were going to transition 
from a girl to a boy, wouldn't you pick a better name than Gert? <laughs> from a girl to Which a boy. Which one is that? She, the first one was a was a clearly a woman. I mean, her. I mean, she's just it was a woman. Uh, but when she transitioned, she chose the name Gert for her boy name. Anyway, I thought that was funny. I was like, couldn't you come up with something better than Gert? No offense to any Gerts out there if you're listening. Oh, that's the sort of younger one that still clearly looks like a woman yet identifies. Well, she, that person just refers to themselves as not a woman. So we don't really know what that person identifies as. Yeah. You know what I mean? If you think about it, like you got, you got to really understand this whole trans culture, right? It's not just man or woman. It's like they means I don't identify as either. Right. And all these different things. So yeah, that you're talking about the butch haircut, dark haired, real smiley, like the only one that seemed nice yeah. of all the people that he interviewed. Yeah, yeah. right. That one. I didn't so even catch the name Gert. That's pretty yeah, bad. Its name is Gert. Uh, all right. Well, here's what Gert has to <laughs> they, say. They, they, they's name is Gert. So on your website, quote, if, you'll, if you'll bear with me, yeah. quoting, you say, I use a combination of approaches in my therapeutic work, including anti-oppression, feminist, and narrative frameworks. I rely deeply on systems theory and understanding that individuals are products of and in dialogue with our surroundings, including our families, broader culture, workplaces, nature, and political climates. What uh, does that mean? Yeah, um, so thinking about the modalities that I use, um, I'm definitely informed by like feminist um, family therapy um, and the ideas that um, we live in gendered worlds where there are certain imperatives that are placed on us about who we are and what we do based on how we've been gendered. From the minute I was assigned female, I was told, okay, these are the kind of clothing that you're going to wear. These are the kind of the, the type of play that you're going to engage in as a child, um, the path that maybe your life will take because of social expectation. What, what do you mean by assigned female? Who, who? This is great. This is great right here. Assigned female. Yeah. So um, most times people, when they're born, um, they're assigned a gender. By the, the doctors. doctors. Yeah. Wait, what do they, what do they base that assignment on so basically it's it's based on genitalia um <laughs> so people looking at genitalia and deciding okay this is a, a girl or a boy um and we know now that like that sex and gender are so much more than just this binary some women have penises right some men have vaginas um that, that that's not how how gender works how do we know that how do we know that that's not true okay so that, that was great she was assigned misassigned i guess she would say her gender at birth and some women have penises and some men have vaginas so there's the i first... think you cut it off at an important part i believe the next he asks her so how do we how do we know that that's not how gender yeah, works? yeah, yeah no i, I have that queued up is... right here i have that so okay here we go her response is like well because some people tell us that how do i know if, if i'm a woman no, I, I that's a great I like, question i like scented candles yeah i've watched sex in the city yeah um, yeah. So how do I know? Yeah, Matt, that question right there, like that question is like when it's asked with a lot of curiosity, right? That's the beginning of gender identity development journeys. If my mom who gave birth to me is a woman mm-hmm. and my wife is a woman, um, though I haven't asked her, maybe I should. Um, but if they're all women and also the boy who sits down with you and says, I, I think I'm a girl, actually is one then then what is a woman mm. great question i'm not a woman so i i can't really answer that 
Right, which is basically the... So one of the thematic themes of the movie is that the title of the movie is what is a, the question, what is a woman? He asks everybody that he interviews. And none of them, half of them don't even try. Mm-hmm. And those that do basically say, well, a woman is what some people identify as. And he's like, so a woman is when people identify as a woman. Right. So what, what is that? Yeah. And they, they can't answer it. And some of them say like, well, you can't answer it unless you identify as a woman. And there's no set of characteristics that... So literally, it's like it's he uses the term circular definition on this professor. Yeah. Have you ever heard of a circular definition? Like, yeah. He's like, great. So it's like, you know, I ask you to define what is woman and you define it by saying it's a woman. Somebody who identifies as a woman He's like, can you offer me a definition that doesn't include the word woman? And they can't because they can't pin it to sex and they can't really pin it to like gender characteristics because some people identify as a woman, even though they don't exhibit female tendencies right mm-hmm. and you know, on one level they don't even acknowledge there is such a thing right so it, it's hilarious because it shoots a hole right in the whole concept right it's like these people say they're in the wrong gender but when i ask you to define what that gender even is then you can't do it that means it's not even a thing to begin with so what in the f are they identifying as mm-hmm. they're identifying as nothing it's just a word it's just a word at that point, right? It's supposed to be a word of classification. You classify a subset of humans as women. And if you're classifying for any purpose, then that means you have certain traits by which, or certain you know, measurements by which you are then classifying. But they don't do that because they don't want anybody to be boxed in like that. So a woman is a thing it's a thing so important that some people are willing to cut off their genitalia to become one. Yet we can't define what it is. Yeah. Like it, it's a shot. The movie is just fantastic, but no, the part that you didn't play it. I don't even remember what it was. I don't know. Getting back to the, to, to the girt lady. Um, so yeah. that's the mindset that of people way. that are, that are helping kids transgender that girt, a gender affirming, therapist and oh, he interviews did you Jordan hear Peterson. all the mark did you hear did you hear all the marxist terminology that Gert used so that first clip he played was her rambling off yeah a whole bunch of marxism she uses the term oppression she uses the term uh you know social engine basically social uh uh social 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 constructionism she uses the she mentions like i'm very informed by feminist theory uh dialogue like all of that all of that is academic marxist gobbledygook right. i love it when he's like so what does uh that mean <laughs> yeah and then she just that starts using big word after big word after big word yeah which all amounts to nothing it's all bs uh so yeah. so he, then he visits with a trans doctor marcy bowers of course, she's from San Francisco, and this is actually a dude who transitioned to be a woman and has done more vagi- vaginal plasties. Vag- well, how did they say that? Vagina, vagina, vagina plasty. I don't know how to say. And her vagina start to hang loose like sleeve of wizard. I see. Yes. Anyway, she's done over two thousand irreversible cut your wiener off. Here's your vagina type surgeries, and. Uh, he he says, what he says he uses a pretty good 
comparison. And he says, well, you know, there's this one dysphoria where people think that they should cut an arm off. Yeah. Don't you think that's weird? And, and she, he, whatever, uh, was like, yeah, that's very kooky. And then he just kind of was like, but cutting your penis off isn't like he didn't even say it. He just like he let her stew on it after she admitted that, that that's kooky to cut your arm off. But yet cutting your yeah, he made her look ridiculous. Her first reaction, she she like she kind of like kind of like looks real confused and sort of snaps back like, what is that? And she literally says, she's like, I don't see what that has to do with anything. He goes, you, you don't you don't right. see how, <laughs> you know, somebody who identifies as a paraplegic cutting limbs off isn't similar to somebody who identifies as the opposite sex cutting their breasts or their penis off. Right. Yeah. Well, well, no, that's kind of kooky. It's hilarious, dude. Like she says, she even says, I'll go. She said, she puts it, she says something like, you know, because until yesterday, this, the, 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 the profession of psychiatry and psychology identified this condition as something called gender dysphoria which was an actual, actual mental disorder mm-hmm. in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, which we've talked about. But they don't want to consider it that anymore because that's, um, that's um, what's a Marxist word for it? That's like um, othering, right? They're trying to make it like, oh, this is a totally normal thing to have no gender or to be the wrong gender, right? So it's not a mental disorder anymore. And, you know, clearly when you look at all these people, like the one that identifies as a wolf later in the film, nothing mentally unstable about that person at all. They're all like good to go. So she clearly this, 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 this lady who used to be a man who's now a doctor would not acknowledge the concept of gender dysphoria any longer, but will acknowledge that she, she says, she's like, I, you know, I'll call it what it is. That's a mental disorder with regards to the one to that desire to cut your foot off or whatever. Mm-hmm. But, but like, it's a like complete, like it's hilarious. She's so indoctrinated in her own worldview on this. She, she's oblivious to how absurd it is for her to hold those views about that and not have similar views about this. And, you know, she's like, nobody disagrees with this. And he's like, nobody. Right. He's like, well, there's a few dinosaurs out there. Yeah, oh, a few dinosaurs. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Keep in mind this, this, this lady is a, a doctor in San Francisco. Of course. The leading vaginoplasty surgeon in the world uh, is a doctor in San Francisco. And it's funny because he, he calls her a transgender woman and she says, uh, a woman with transgender with a transgender history. Very, you know, has to make sure to, no, 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 no. Don't you dare call me a transgender woman. I am a woman, sir. Mm-hmm. You're a science with a transgender which is what you're doing to all these kids here. So no one will answer this. He visits with other quote experts in the field. I'll call them uh, <laughs> sickos, but he goes to Africa to visit with the Maasai tribe. And he's talking to a group of men in their Rural setting. Right. He even took a bite of rock kidney to kind of uh, get into the culture. And he was, it was funny. He's like, that's the best raw kidney I've ever eaten. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. he looks like completely disgusted by it. Um, but so he's talking to these guys about what's going on in Western civilization. And 
the conversation is like seven or eight minutes long. All of it's hilarious because these people have no idea what he's even talking about. And I experienced this when I had my, uh, my PH in Africa ask my tracker what he thought about veganism. And the tracker was like, I don't understand. <laughs> like, <laughs> there's people that don't eat protein. Like, I just couldn't even wrap his mind around that fact that people choose to not eat meat. So complete first world problems. Here's the here's a funny exchange, though, with the uh, the Maasai tribesmen. For a woman, he has a vagina. So we know this is a lady, this is a man. What if it's a woman with it? What if it's a woman with a penis? What? They just learn because they have never heard something like that. This is their first time. They never heard it before. A, a woman have a penis and she's a woman. In my country, I can't go a day without hearing it. We hear it. They're, they're they're just cracking up because they're like we don't understand why would a why would a woman have a penis, and they 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 just can't wrap their mind around it. And he goes, "You've never Matt's like you've never heard of this." And he's like, "No." And he goes, "That's weird. I hear it every day in my country." And uh, and and then they they talk about the different roles that men and women have in society in their in their culture and society, and I think other than at the very end of the film, I think that the mess I give the best like explanation of what, what a woman is, which is it's a biological interpretation. It's science. Even the most. Yeah. He's like, they're the women make babies. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Which is, you know, kind of like the most awesome thing in nature. Yeah. But, uh, no longer a prerequisite. What in fact, you... there's no such thing as mothers. There's birthing people. Right. What did you think about the uh, the other lady with the blue hair, the the other quote doctor expert? You know, she's a physician, uh, and her 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 thoughts on puberty blockers, and that they that she claims they have no long term side effects, and yet he visits with another lady who's like, oh yeah, there was this fourteen year old girl that took him for two years and has osteoporosis. It is the most damning part of the film, and it's the one that I think has got you and I agitated about this for a full year now. Yeah, so he interviews a lady in Providence, Rhode Island, that is a pediatrician, pediatrician. A child doctor. Yeah. When asked to give her bio, this pediatrician, after telling about her education history, the first thing she mentions from an experience standpoint is that she's worked for many Planned Parenthoods. Providing something called radical, would she call it like radical or extreme uh, contraception? Contraception. Yeah. Did you catch that? Yeah. She describes like radical contraception techniques, uh, abortions, but she's also a child doctor. A awesome bailiwick that she's carved off out for herself. Um, but yeah, so she explains that. Dude, that whole that whole that whole interview is is shocking and damning. But you know, she she's basically like you know, uh, she uses this concept of assigning. Basically, says gender and sex aren't related. And she's so condescending. There's that moment where he's like, he's like, four year olds believe in Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
like they, so they believe that the fat man flies around the world at the speed of light and delivers presents. Would you say that this little person has a tenuous grasp on reality? She goes, I would say that he has an appropriate grasp of reality for a four-year-old. And that's like, yeah, yeah, I agree. Right, right. But point is, it's not real, right? And she goes, well, it's, it's real to the four-year-old. And he goes, yeah, but it's not reality. Santa Claus is not real. And she goes, well, he delivers their presents. <laughs> He's like, what? No, he doesn't. Yeah. And, and so she's acknowledging there what the left is really all about, which is that your subjective reality is all that matters. She obviously knows that there's no such thing as Santa Claus. But because a child believes in it, then to the child it's real, and that's what matters. Not the actual reality. He's like, I'm talking about the reality that says that you and I are sitting in this room having a conversation. And she goes, you're not listening. Like, I'm not listening. No, it's not that I'm not listening. You're not making any sense, lady. And, you know, so along that course of conversation, she's like, she says that her job as a pediatrician is to ask a child, how are they feeling about their, their gender now? And, and even more excitingly, she goes, even more excitingly, where do you want to be in the future? Yeah. So she's, she's straight up. These, these questions should never be asked. This is the problem. Remember, did I talk, tell you she, what my buddy she in shows California you she's had? She's grooming these kids, dude. Yeah. She, she, she basically, she all but admits straight up that she guides these kids towards a transgender identification. Mm -hmm. Oh, did I mention what my buddy in California, his kindergarten, uh, the survey that they wanted to have his... The letter that they... The survey? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, you yeah. Mentioned that's, yeah. that's indoctrinating him. That's, you know, putting right. these thoughts into their head at an age where they still believe in Santa Claus, right? Like... Yeah. I mean, you mentioned it, but just to recap it, you know, he, Cable has a friend who got a survey from the school about their kindergartner. And the first question off the top is, uh, do you ever feel like you're the wrong gender? Yeah. First, first six-year-old public yeah, school. To a six, right. To a six-year-old. And, and so he tries to ask her like, I, when, yeah. Can we give this to your daughter? And he goes, I want to see it first. And then that's the first question. He's like, hell no, you cannot give it to her. Yeah. And she, this lady, this pediatrician, she, he asks her like, well, so when can a, well, you know, how, how soon can a child start, you know, sort of exploring being a different gender? And she goes, oh, well, well there's science that shows that babies, <laughs> babies understand gender. It's like, right, because it's a biological reality. Of course they do. Right. But so she's inferring that, like, at any age, a kid can start. And then he asks her, so when's it appropriate to start intervening, transitioning the child? She's like, as soon as they say they're ready. Like, no age limit. Right. And so that gets into this idea of puberty blocking hormones, literally all giving drugs, as he calls them, to kids to stop their puberty cycle. And this crazy, fat s crazy B explains that it's, it's, she goes, it's like, it's like hitting a pause on a, on a, on a song. Oh, like yeah, we, give them the, so we give them the puberty, we give them the hormones and we hit pause. And then once they've decided whether they want to proceed with their original gender or not, we just hit play and the song picks up right at the exact note we left off on as if it never happened. And he goes, and they, they tee up and like they splice in there this, this conversation of this jug called Lupron. Mm -hmm. Lupron is used in parts, various parts of the world as a drug to sterilize pedophiles and rapists. Yeah. It's, it's it's a drug for sterilization. He asked her that, and then, and they, she's then like, they, I don't want to continue back. with this interview. And he goes, "Why?" They because cut back you, to Matt. Yeah. Yep. 
you don't want to talk about yeah. the drugs that you prescribe kids? And she goes, no, I'm, I'm a pediatrician. I don't prescribe drugs. I prescribe medications. Yeah. She takes offense. She says, you're being, uh, how does she put it? She basically accuses him of being <laughs> accusatory of right. using, uh, negative language, uh, inappropriate negative language to describe what she does. So he, he has her dead to rights. She admits she gives Lupron to these kids while claiming that it's fully reversible. She gives Lupron to stop their puberty, claiming it's fully reversible. And when he points out that does, don't they use that to, to chemically castrate pedophiles? She says, I think we're done with this interview. Yeah. Oh, you don't, you don't want to talk about this. And then she says, you're using the words drugs, chemical, blah, blah, blah. And he goes, well, I can look it up on my phone. That, that's all perfectly, you know, legit terminology and, and definition. She goes, yeah, you can look it up on the phone. He's like, he's like, Google's chemical castration. And he reads it out. He's like a drug administered. Da, 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 da. And, and she just gets completely defensive about the fact that he's pinning her down on this. And she's just clearly dead wrong. Like yeah. she's chemically castrating these children while claiming and, and that goes back to Abigail Schreier irreversible and irreversible damage. damage. She says in that book that these people will claim in the past, <laughs> it's hilarious, the very recent past, they were claiming that these types of procedures were like, she, remember she uses the term that, that these doctors would claim that they're mostly reversible. <laughs> and we mocked right. that like, what is mostly reversible possibly mean? Does that not mean that it's not reversible at all if it's mostly reversible, right? But this lady's claiming it's totally reversible. And then when he proves that it's not, she just starts casting dispersions at him and calling him names. So I thought one Evil. interesting thing was the, uh, was it a child psychologist, the red-haired lady that was like, yeah, he said, she was like, it used to be, you know, 10% of my kids were transgender. Now it's every single one of them. And she's since turned around. Yeah, and she like, was like a social worker or something. I think. She's like, yeah. Uh, yeah, this is insanity. There are no long-term studies. These, And then he's like, so this generation is the science experiments. These are the lab rats. And she's like, exactly. Dude, like these being editing vaccines, right? Like every, everybody's a science experiment all of a sudden. Yeah. Did you? On everything. Take notice of the stats with Dr. Miriam Grossman, the blonde-haired lady that was actually like a, a doctor who was like, no, this is absurd. Right. The, the, one, the lady who, right. Yeah. yeah. So well, she actually was an expert. Right. She yeah. has all of the degrees stacked up on the wall behind her. Right. And she's like uh, taking a scientific approach to what a woman is. And anyway, she said gender dysphoria is actually a thing in about one in 30 thousand to a hundred thousand right. humans and now we have created through social media and uh, she put she went back you remember that movie kinsey she went back and put a lot of the blame on on him like historically and another guy named john money who did experiments on two twins one of his one of them they raised as a uh, a girl because during um circumcision his penis was essentially cut off mutilated cut off yeah. basically burned off well, yeah the two brothers were had to do all these devious sexual acts and and this guy's research was never discredited the one brother died of an overdose the one that actually was raised a boy and the other one who was a 
raised as a girl until he got to about teenage years and was like, I like football and I like being outside and I like getting in fist fights. So he was like, I'm not a girl. And so he went back to his, his parents didn't even tell him that was the other thing. So these kids were raised in this completely perverse, their childhood was awful. And that guy ended up killing himself when he was 40. So they're both dead. And this guy, John Money's research is like considered validating, like, and Kenzie too. And, and all of his research was based on apparently lies. Dude, the guy Kenzie, this is one of those guys that I've been talking. I didn't know Kenzie's name till this movie, but he's clearly uh, a product or a contemporary of this Paolo Freire guy and, and Herbert Marcusa and these other people I've been talking about that have been promoting this let's destabilize a whole generation with LGBTQ stuff and make five-year-olds face sexuality because there's no such thing as, 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 uh, as, as uh, childhood innocence, right? Mm-hmm. So, so this Alfred Kinsey guy is clearly one of those guys. She, they, they throw a chart up showing where he was causing six-month-old baby boys to have orgasms and counting them. How this SOB didn't go to jail is shocking. She admits that, you know, I think she says, maybe it was this article that I'm referencing, that his legacy is a mixed bag. There were people who definitely pushed back. I think the audio, the overlay of, of narration is like, you know, his, his stuff was very controversial, but there were people who were all about it. Dude, I, so I found October 3rd, 2004, New York Times, Alfred Kinsey, liberator or pervert? Mm. And there's an article now 18 years old where the times questions the idea that was all this stuff he was doing good. I wonder what their take on this is now. I'm shocked. It's still up. Not everyone. Yeah, applauds all this that accomplishment. Was, was some hail him for him for liberating the nation from sexual puritism. Others revile him as a fraud whose junk science will legitimize de- degeneracy. Mm-hmm. Junk science. That's a good description. Yeah. But either way, one independent scholar accused him of sexual crimes. He'd be happy if he was here in 2022 looking at the results of his junk science. Oh, he'd be thrilled because that was his whole deal was he was a Marxist that wanted to buck traditional uh, heterosexual relationships. Didn't like the status quo. Really seemed to just not like Western culture at all. How do I undermine? Yeah, that? well, I mean, she points Let's, out she points out that he was specifically attack, attacking Christianity and other mm-hmm. other faith based you know other religions that hold some standard when it comes to sexuality, right? Like, and, and that's what this article is all about. And apparently, what that movie was about. So there was a movie made about this guy. This this, art, this article clearly, as I'm looking at it now, I haven't had a chance to read it yet. It came out in 2004 because the film was coming out. Uh, the film was called Kinsey. It starred Liam Neeson. Yeah, I've seen the film. named Laura Linney terrible. and Peter Sarsgaard. Oh, you have? Yeah, it sucked. How did you end up watching that? It was like uh, very critically acclaimed. Probably was, I, I didn't know anything about Kinsey. About you know, in 2004, yeah. I was 23 years old. So I was like, oh, well, I'll watch this film. And dude, it was just it was perverted stuff. Critically acclaimed. Critically acclaimed, right? Like it's, I don't even remember if I finished it, Eight. but I, I walked away from thinking Whoa. this was terrible. Yeah. Yeah. Kinda Half like a lifetime before you realize, realize power what the, of the dog was watch that and was like, this was terrible. 
But anyway, uh, if the critics say they like it, probably it sucks. So Kenzie and John Money, a lot of responsibility on their shoulders for what we're experiencing today. Um, only other th- another, uh, other note that I had here was, so Matt was on with Dr. Phil, and there's the, the bearded woman <laughs> that's on there on this panel and another expert. And dude, he just destroys him, which you would expect because he was taking the gloves off in that setting. They have no, they have no, they have no rebuttal when he brings up science and they can't ever answer the, the question. What is a woman? But the most amazing thing about that Dr. Phil episode was that Hulu and CBS took it off the air within of two days, I think, because the doctor and the other people on the panel said that they were emotionally damaged from the conversation. <laughs> yeah. 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 I do. I mean, like it's, emotionally damaged because the truth, the, the movie is so, so speaking of, uh, you know, critics from a, a moment ago, right? Like right now, as, as I speak, he's been releasing since the movie came out last week, these emails where his publicist has been reaching out to critics asking them to review it. And he's only to date, only one critic review on Rotten Tomatoes has been provided. And that's a daily wire movie critic. Nobody else will even watch it. And he gets these people writing back saying, F you know, right. Or I wouldn't ever support that Nazi bigot. Um, you know, take my the name irony. off your mailing list. The irony of the left calling the right Nazi bigots is just, it's astounding. Yeah. It's hilarious. But hilarious, but but it's it's just so much further evidence. Even the way that they all tried to threaten to quit talking to him, the interviewees, interviews, interviewees, yeah, they were all threatening to quit once the questions got hard, because they they know what they're talking about is BS, as he and the Daily Wire crew put it. It doesn't stand up to the first first hint of scrutiny. If you put a half a pound of pressure on the matter with these people, they they just have to walk away. The critics won't even review it. It's got 98% positive ratings on Rotten Tomatoes among fans, by the way. Yeah. Um, the, the same thing goes with those people from Dr. Phil. They got applauded by the lefty crowd, yet when they were made to look ridiculous and stupid, then they claim the next you know day what? that they you know were emotionally the damaged crowd by it. Applauded? Stable people. When the, left, when the crowd in Dr. Phil's audience applauded was when he asked her, well, what asked the, the, the doctor, another one of these experts that specializes in transgendering adolescents, when he asked her, you know, what is a woman? And she go and she, she, once again, circular answer, dodging the question. And she goes, I guess my question is, why do you care so much? Right. And he's and like, yeah. yeah, that's when they applaud. And he's like, well, I like to live in reality. And in my reality, truth is important. And I want to know the truth. And, He's like, I, I do care. You know, I care about our children. I care about uh, the women who've had their opportunities stolen from them by transgender, by boys competing in, in girls' sports. Right. Um, yeah. He rambles off about three things. He covered two of them there. But let me, let, me, let me read another note from this article about the good Dr. Kinsey. I guess the movie was made was was based off of a book by a guy named Jones. So Mr. Jones's book reveals that Kinsey had had affairs with men, encouraged open marriages among his staff, stimulated himself with urethral insertion and ropes, and filmed sex in his attic, 
But Mr. Jones did not feel he was debunking Kinsey. What I told myself and still think, and, and I still think this, was that I was writing a biography of a tragic hero. It shouldn't surprise us that the pleas for sexual tolerance would come from a person who couldn't be himself in public. Kinsey's personal preferences might have affected his findings, especially about the pervasiveness of homosexual activity. Yeah, though that was basically what I remember the movie being. Just have sex with everyone, doesn't matter what gender they are or if you're married or not. That's the impression that it left on me. <laughs> Good Lord. Indiana University has something called the Kinsey Institute for Research in Sex, Gender, and Reproduction. Mm. Oh, oh, oh. One That's- other thing to note here before we wrap this up. So he had what I've been talking about, that there are roots to where we... We haven't hit on the big pharma component. came out of nowhere. The big pharma component, which is... uh, Man. So he has on this 40-year-old... It was basically just a butch woman who decided to go... I thought she was pretty hot. Some of those photographs of her from the day were... And then at 40, she started... She got more and more butch as she... And now she definitely looks just like a frumpy dude. Yeah, he's bald, basically, and just has a, you know, a higher pitched voice than most men, but looks like a dude. She has three kids, dude. She has three kids, three kids. She was talking about how evil this is, and she's had 17 surgeries and doesn't expect to live very long and absolutely regrets the decision to do this. And he says he or she. Uh, the, the parents don't have the right to transgender a child that is child abuse. And he's like, I know I'm living proof of what has happened there. And, and he talks about uh, the, uh, the fact that there is no long-term data on puberty blockers or hormones yeah. injecting these people. But he did say this, that it costs once a person is fully transgendered, it generates $1.3 million of revenue for Big Pharma. If you talk about all the drugs, then the surgeries, that's huge. That's big business, dude. And these people, we saw what they did during COVID. This is, no, this is I thought this was the most eye-opening thing. I did not know that it was that much money that Big Pharma is making off of this pandemic of trying to transgender our most dude. precious resource, which is our children. <laughs> and what's, what's one of the biggest sort of issues from a government perspective in all this. You know, if you're in the military, the taxpayers have to pay for your transgender surgeries if you choose to engage in that. There are states, and it may be federal law for all I know, but I know there are states that provide transgender surgery to inmates. They should be the last ones being considered for anything that costs me money. This whole thing boils down like everything else to making money. The doctors are guilty of brainwashing kids, especially psychiatrists, are guilty of brainwashing kids into this shit. Uh, The doctors are guilty of providing the services. And then the government is willing to fund it. So it's just a handout to the medical profession. And the, you know, (laughs) <laughs> globalist Illuminati who think that we're overpopulated are getting the double benefit of castrating a quarter of a generation. It's unbelievable, dude. I talk a lot about us living through the Tower of Babel. We are definitely right in the 
peak of Sodom and Gomorrah as well. Only other interesting thing I think was the Canadian father who got thrown in jail for trying to stand up for uh, against his 13 year old daughter transitioning and got thrown in jail because he misgendered his daughter. Oh, and then that, that the redheaded lady back to her, the social worker or, or psychologist, whatever, I can't remember what her official title was. Um, she said that when the two parents disagree about, so the kid comes, mom, dad, I want to transgender, blah, blah, blah. Two parents don't, don't see eye to eye on the starting that process. She said a hundred percent of the time, the one that sides with the child wins a hundred percent of the time. The other parent never wins ever. Yep. Well, and that's one of the things Peterson talks about is the entire concept. And this is one of the things that's the most maddening to me, man, is, you know, there's people all across the country right now that'll blindly follow a doctor into hell. Is this medical profession at our government, the president of the United States, the speaker, uh, the, 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 his press secretary, they're all using the director of Homeland Security, not a secure Homeland Security, of Department of Health and Human Services. All these people have, and all the doctors that Walsh interviews, they, 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 they they promote this concept called gender affirming care. As soon as a child tells you that they're confused about their gender, then you just affirm. You start by changing their name, changing their looks, changing their clothing, changing their haircut. And as soon as they're ready, you start puberty blockers and cutting off their breasts, right? And, you know, Jordan Peterson is one of the most renowned psychologists, clinical psychologists on the planet. And he's like, that's not medicine. That's, that's not medicine at all. Mm-hmm. Like put it in any other context. You walk into a doctor's office and you say, I've got a problem. The job of the doctor is to diagnose the problem. Not just say, Oh, you think you've got, you think you got syphilis, huh? Here's some, yeah, I want syphilis medication. Here you go. Affirmed. Clearly you're the expert, right? The doctor's office, a psychiatrist job is to figure out, is this child actually gender dysphoric or is there something else going on at the root of this? But as Abigail Schreier taught us, instead what they say is transition your kid or they'll kill themselves. Right. Yeah. Dude, it's, they claim that they're the party of tolerance, that they're doing all of this out of love and to intervene into a child's biology. But see, then, then they have the scapegoat that there's no such, like, because they deny scientific, like you always talk about, the party of science denies the real, the scientific reality of any of this stuff. Can we do? Can they we deny that biology is a that? thing in the first place. Yet they have to cut a bunch of skin off your arm to make you a penis if you think you're, you know, a girl that thinks, you know, if you're a girl that thinks that you're, she's a boy, right? Like, can we get like, the disinformation? There is no biological reality. You have to intervene. The claim that they're a the party of science because that's that's uh, I'm, I'm fact checking and uh, that's false information. Yeah. Um, but that leads us into our next false. thing. Um, do what? I don't have much more time. I said, okay, well, so I don't have much more time. W- the only thing that we really need to talk about is uh, what, what Bi- the Biden administration announced that K through 12 schools must allow boys into girls' bathrooms and vice versa, or they will not get public funding for schools, Chisholm. That means no, no lunches for those schools. So, and w- because your school takes the moral high road or your school district and says, no, we're not doing that. Boys are boys and girls are girls. Uh, now, sorry, poor children, no lunch for you. 
how sadistic is that? That has not gone over very well, as you can imagine. Uh, Ron DeSantis was uh, dude, I watched a clip with Ron uh, yesterday saying, you know what? It's absurd. And Floridians will will fight. We'll figure out another way to make sure that all kids get their lunches. The redheaded doctor that brought up Kinsey and money. Walsh asks her, why doesn't anybody know about this? Why, don't, why doesn't anybody know about these two men and the impl- influence that they've had on this, this movement? And she goes, because clearly there are dark forces at work that don't want us to know about it. Mm. I have really come to a realization lately, and I've said it on this show. People have to read a little bit about Paolo Freire and Herbert Marcuse and half a dozen other people that I've named before. And now dive into this Alfred Kinsey guy and Edward Money and understand that this is not just a, like a, like a, what is that term that came up last year on Rogan that halfway broke the vaccine spell? Um, uh, uh, social contagion is basically what it is, but the, um, Oh, formation, uh, mass formation, psychosis. Uh, mass formation, right? Yeah. 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 This, this is not just a sudden mass formation or, or, you know, populist level, uh, you know, contagion, mental contagion. This is something that these doctors and philosophers have been impregnating into America's education system for decades and decades coming to full fruition, right? The idea that as that swimmer, they had one of Leah Thomas's, you know, teammates on there talking about how they get accused of being called trans, they get called gen, uh, transphobes mm-hmm. if they point out that they're not real comfortable having to share a locker room with a person with a penis. So we're having to do this with what, what age range? Is it all schools? Like elementary K through, schools? K through 12, dude. Kindergarten through 12th grade. Right. Kindergartners. So, so this administration says that my five, eight, 11 and 13 year old girls would have to share bathrooms with boys or to your point, their school risks losing lunch funding. That is, that is this guy, Kinsey. Again, that is Freire's work coming to fruition. There is no such thing. As, mora- or as, as social norms, social mores, mores, however you say that, those are all just tools of oppression and they need to be obliterated. And the idea of, si- of, of sexual purity at the age of five needs to be dismissed in favor of debauchery and degeneracy. Oh, dude, that's what Kinsey somehow, said. Somehow Kinsey's, Kinsey's belief in the pursuit of happiness was to have as much perverse sexual encounters as possible from as young of an age as possible that's how he defined happiness right. <laughs> think about that that's yeah saying. And some other names that, that I- boys be in locker rooms with girls bathrooms with girls from the age of five or you don't get your lunch money school i almost yeah. just said the f word this administration uh, dude it's it's satanic it's all this it's pure just pure evil I don't think there's any yeah. other way to put it. Dallas just had this uh, drag the kids to Pride Month. Thing. Oh my God, we don't have enough time to cover that. I, I got six minutes. 
they're yeah. letting these kids putting put put dollar bills in scantily clad drag a 21 and up gay bar there's a law in texas that says that any something like sex-based establishment cannot let anybody under 21 year old 21 years old in ever right so a gay bar that hosts regular drag shows on saturday of this past weekend held a family friendly and i'm using air quotes this is what they call it family friendly drag your kids to pride pride mm-hmm. event and there were i don't know it seemed like at least a, a dozen kids in their moms mostly more than that in a gay bar watching drag queens dance on a runway it's so funny dude and then they're Google putting it. dollar bills in their lingerie is what these kids are doing Google it and you'll see a news channel in Dallas clearly trying to dismiss the concerns about it. They put the, they put a video up of like the, (laughs) the least risque, least grotesque dancer in in terms of like what she, whatever Mm. was doing on stage. But follow some of the people I follow on Instagram and you'll see people shaking their asses in these kids faces. Right. So, so like the left, including your town's news media. I'm in McKinney, different County live in Dallas. (laughs) Born. I am. I am. They're they're trying, they're trying like hell to downplay it. Right. And yet these kids are handing dollar bills to these drag performers. They got the kids up and had the kids dance with them. Yeah. It's against the law. like it's, it's against disturbing. Texas law what they did, simply letting them into the building. But here's the thing, Chisholm. The whole time in the background at the head where the girls, people, whatever, come out onto the catwalk is a neon sign that says it's not going to lick itself. Right. Yeah. But but they broke the law. But if you speak out against it, you're a bigot and you're a racist bigot. and you're a Trumper. Right. And that's all the time we have for today. But y'all check out the uh, the documentary. Well, and... and what is one more point getting back to Kinsey Kinsey and Freire and all these people right the left's initial reaction when the news of this thing broke was but it was family friendly and then the videos came out and it was like <laughs> this is, they're shaking their asses in front of these 10 year olds and the moms are handing dollar bills to give to them those parents right? dude and there's this sign in the back that talks about licking something where's the family friendly in that so then the left really showed us their what they believe which is Oh, but this is good. This is how you build tolerance. Expose these kids to drag shows and the concept of licking whatever the sign is talking about uh, as young as possible. Because the younger you show them what pride is all about, the more tolerant they'll be of LGBTQ. You know what I would say? Okay, gr- okay groomer. Builds tolerance. Is take your kids to church. The pastor, My pastor had a great sermon on love, regardless of anything else. Love, love, love. That's in the Bible. How about we teach that to kids yeah. instead of pornography? and trying to uh, transgender them as early as five years old. But hey, check out the film. I guess that's it for this episode 81. I'm Cable Smith or Chisholm Cook. Thank you guys for tuning in to Justified Pursuit, and we will see you next week. They're grooming our kids.